Welcome to The Science, a podcast about astrology, the occult, and all things esoteric. I'm Lizzie, and I'm here with... Andrea. How's it going? Um, it's going good. How are you? <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> so I'm going to be extra funny because I'm so tired. Yeah, we're kind of delirious right now. It's kind of late. It's like 10... <laughs> It's only 10.30. Usually we record at this time, but I've been getting up early. Early as in like, I don't know, 7.30, which is early for me because I usually get up at like 9. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a difference, I guess. What have you been doing getting up Uh, that early? Well, Zayla's doing art, this little art camp. So I take her there. That was so funny when you were like, I've been taking her, and you're like, actually, it's been like two days. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like... (laughs) She's on day three, and she's done on Friday, but... (laughs) And then I get to go back to sleeping in. (laughs) Very dramatic. So dramatic. I know. I need my sleep. My Taurus rising. It like... And my Cancer moon. So sleepy. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. That's all right. Yeah. What have you been up to? Mm, just working I guess um my machine blew up so I had to buy a whole nother one and uh, yeah six thousand dollars later I get another one on next Tuesday so it's yeah. crazy it's been great here thanks for asking <laughs> well listen it's the pros and cons of being a business owner it just it happens sometimes but it sucks Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it's okay. I'm in the yeah. squeaky chair again, so I'm just, I, I put it out there every episode. I'm like, it's my chair. It's squeaking. <laughs> yeah, all right. So we know that Andrea's chair farts, so like, <laughs> that's all. All right, so. So what are we talking we sh- about today? Well, I kind of think before we get into anything, um, because I think we're going to kind of like go over the, um, you know, what's going on in the sky right now and like everything that's been going on. But before we do all of that, I think we should just kind of do like our regular routine and I'll just uh, roll the dice and then you can give your uh, divination and then, yeah. Sweet. Cool. All right. So, um... All right. So Aries in the sixth house. Didn't we just roll Aries last time? <laughs> no, we rolled Mars twice. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> All right, fine. Aries in the sixth house. Oh, man. That's opposite from me. So I have Libra in the sixth house. Mm-hmm. So Aries in the I only know Aries in the twelfth house, which is a whole different game than Aries in the sixth house. Aries in the sixth house, they probably... I'm, like, trying to think, like, what their their energy level would be like in the sixth house, you know? Like, what would their, what would their ailments be? What would their illness be? Um, I think it's a pretty good placement because that would be um, uh, Scorpio rising. So you, if you're Scorpio yeah. rising, you would have Aries in the sixth house. And sixth house is all about, like, daily routine it is, but it's like in that. conjunct. Aries doesn't like to be in the sixth house because it's Virgo's house. It doesn't, so but it could make it's some still, challenges. But you still have Aries 
the sign of um you can still have a lot your of ambition energy. absolutely it's yeah. your ambition in day to day so I feel like that could seriously work out yeah. I mean but that's only if you're looking at like it is in conjunct but that's only if you're looking at Aries equaling the first house right. which that's like a whole nother concept because like um, Hellenistic astrologers don't consider the signs ruling the house yeah so that's if you're looking true. at it that way then yeah it's in conjunct but if not I mean yeah Aries like Mars and also Mars used to rule the sixth house so if we have Aries there so oh, it's, like, an, it's a natural placement. It probably gives yeah. them a lot of energy to do their mm-hmm. work. Well, yeah, because yeah. that's your sister, right? She has Scorpio mm-hmm. rising. She's got a yeah. lot of work work energy. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So that could work. All right. So we have, oh, we have never ruled this before. So we what have the North Node in Seventh House. Oh. No, you. North node. <laughs> we have the same north node in the first house. Oh, I thought we were flipped for a second. Never mind. No, this is opposite of us. Oh. Ooh. Oh, that's south node, the rising. Do you know anyone who has this? A south node. There's south node in the first house? Yeah. I don't think I do. I'll have mm. to look. I'm trying to think of the top. Of Does my this head. mean you're like best friends with your enemies? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I feel like, okay, so me having a seventh house stellium and my south node there with like all this focus of like me trying to find my perfect relationship, like my past, mm-hmm. my past life, I feel like that just makes them even more insatiable, like having your north node in the seventh house, especially if there's any other planets in there. It's all about partnership. That's their only freaking focus. Or they could be totally I guess opposite I was, and be like. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Because like it's a descendant. Mm-hmm. Just like avoid relationships, not wanting to go towards their north node. And then thinking about their south node, just like only obsessed with themselves. I don't mm-hmm. mean that in a bad way. I mean, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. That sounds very North Node in the seventh house to me. <laughs> I need to go through my astro future because, like, that is such a interesting placement. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with their node in the first or seventh, except for us. But then again, I guess no. I feel like I would have noticed. No, we wouldn't that. notice that. There's yeah. Gotta be... Well, because your first house is your vitality. So to have your south node there, it's like, what does that mean? Ditch yourself (laughs) to, like, be with other people? Ditch yourself. (laughs) Oh, my transits. Okay. I am going to find someone as we're talking. I was trying to think of people that I would think had this personality. um, But in theory, if you have your north node, because, I mean, people listening probably do maybe but if your north node is in your seventh house that like basically means that in your past life um you were really all about the self and now it's time to look you know to other people in relationships and you have to give your attention to that or you don't have to but like that's what ultimately is gonna give you happiness yeah i guess in a way like fulfillment um so it's kind of like not going against yourself but it's like looking towards other people and like maybe being a better listener because the first house would be talking and seventh house would be listening so you know themes like that could be brought up in your life and 
I don't know. You might kind of learn from that, yeah. I guess. Dude. Right, what do you think, Andrea? I just found someone. My sister-in-law. Crazy. She has her north node really? in the seventh house. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. In Pisces. Let oh, me, she's Virgo rising? Let me make sure that... Oh, I'm in Placidus. Hold on. Hold on. We need to do a whole episode on the house systems. Yeah, we do. No, so in whole signs, it's in her eighth house. Because I was like, she's not a Virgo rising. She's a Leo rising, but in Placidus. So, I mean, it's still, you know, a lot of people use Placidus, so they would look at that and yeah. see her. Mm-hmm. North Node in the seventh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, she's awesome, but... Um... <laughs> We'll have a whole episode okay. on the health system. Skip next. All right. I'll do my All cards. Right. So <laughs> yeah, right please. when we started recording, um, I was shuffling this deck and this card jumped out. And so the deck that I'm using is called the Starseed Oracle, which I think I did this in our very first episode. And I really haven't used it that much, but it's such a cool Oracle deck. So the card is called Inner Earth. Um, the key words here, sentence or statement, I should say, is you'll survive this new solutions and beginnings, which is quite appropriate for my life in the collective. So mm-hmm. I'll just read real quick. Um, inner earth is believed to be the hidden subterranean world within the planet itself. Many ancient cultures mention it in their stories. It's said that some of the beings of ancient lost lands, such as Lemuria, Atlantis, and, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this word, Aryavata, Varta, I'll have to look that up, went there. Hindu and Celtic lore mention caves and entrances to underground worlds. Tibetan Buddhism refers to the secret mystical city Shambhala, which is thought to be located in the Himalayas. Many have searched for inner earth in the physical world, but without success. So the mystery continues. It is a place that exists in the physical or on another level of consciousness. Well, that was a question. I formed it as a statement. (laughs) (laughs) There are solutions beyond what you can perceive, surprising outcomes to your problems and situations. Resolutions that are in the best interests of all are involved. If you find yourself facing an obstacle or feeling stuck and have no idea what to do, you're being reassured that there is a way out. You'll survive this and things will work out. That's awesome. I like that. Um, I like that too. Starseed soul inquiry. What can you do to shift your energy or your outlook? Ooh, should do some journaling on that one. Nice. So yeah, that's yeah. the Starseed Oracle deck. You should take a picture of those cards and post it on our Instagram because that deck is super beautiful. It is. It's really pretty. I was just even looking yeah. at the back right now. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll definitely do that. And oh, it's by. Rebecca Campbell, and the artwork is by Danielle Noel. Sweet. Yeah, she has a lot of really good artwork. She kind of does does. a lot of art for a lot of different decks, like tarot and um, oracle decks. Yeah, she does, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. So, should we uh, talk about the bad houses? (laughs) 
Yeah. Also, uh, before we do that, did you kind of want to like talk about what's going on in the sky right now? Oh, yeah, totally. So let okay. me just pull up the Ingress because we've both had a lot of people text us this week and they're like, what is going on? There's got to be an explanation for like everything that's going on. I mean, not just with COVID or coronavirus, um, but also obviously with the protests and riots and um, retrogrades, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot. So currently Venus is still retrograde until, uh, is it June 24th? But it's still in the sign of Gemini until August 7th. And then we have Jupiter, which is retrograde in Capricorn. We have Saturn, which is retrograde in Aquarius. And then um, Pluto, which is retrograde in Capricorn. So aside from all those retrogrades, I mean, retrogrades are hard in themselves, but they definitely ask us to, like, go within and reflect. Um, One of the things that I think, I don't know, did you see that meme floating around where it's like, it's talking about Saturn in Aquarius, which we haven't had Saturn in Aquarius. Um, the last time Saturn was in Aquarius was during, um, was it the, it was the civil rights movement. And then Uranus in Taurus, the last time Uranus was in Taurus was during the Great Depression and the beginning of World War II. So, I mean, the things that are going on in the sky right now haven't happened in such a long time, but even though they're really difficult from there, there's like really major changes that are occurring, really, really important changes that are happening too. So I would just say, even though like times are super hard right now, um, and there's like a lot of confusion, a lot of obviously death and destruction, just know that like something good is definitely coming out of this it's still going to be several months but at the end of the year like I'm feeling pretty optimistic about all the changes that are going to be taking place what about you especially with next year yeah Mm -hmm. and then also um Saturn in Aquarius like well I mean Saturn was in Aquarius 26 years ago because Saturn goes into every sign every like 27 26 years Mm -hmm. um so yeah, but it's the conjunction, which we kind of talked about that a little bit, that the grand conjunction with um, Saturn, Pluto, and um, and Sa- uh, Jupiter, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like, you know, I mean, astrologers have been talking about this conjunction for a really long time. And yeah, it was, it's kind of kicking up, kicking up this like, revolution that's about to happen or just like any type of major change especially with uh Uranus and Taurus yeah I feel like that's like pretty huge but that's not part of the yeah and it's not part of the conjunction but I mean it's definitely there it is I mean Um, it's trying mm -hmm. to everything that was happening in Capricorn in the conjunction and yeah when Saturn goes back into Capricorn that conjunction will happen again more towards the end of the year right yeah, um, well, not the are you same. talking about Saturn? Yeah, because Saturn's going to go back into Capricorn in July. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it'll go back, and then it'll go back out in, like, what is that? Isn't it December? Yeah. Like, somewhere around there? Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, December keep your 18th, hopes up for 2021. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's going to look good. 2021. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. 
We'll just make it to the end of the year. Although um, Mars will retrograde in the sign of Aries in September all the way to November. Oh, yeah. Do you know what day that is? Uh, when it Isn't it the 18th? Or no, it's like the 16th? It's yeah, right it's before a kid's birthday, right? Uh, yeah, I was going to say it's right before their birthday. I'm trying to get there, but my Ingress app is taking a really long time. I want to hmm. say it's like September 13th or... Um, yeah somewhere around there but we should probably do an episode all on that on the mars retrograde yeah yeah or on all of them yeah it's september so, 10th mm, yeah september 10th okay mm-hmm. and at that point there'll be one two three four five six so everything basically from mars to pluto will be retrograde in september <sighs> yeah damn yeah it's okay it's okay these planets go retrograde all the time they do and it won't be personal planets so aside from mars Mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm just affected by venus you know that's like as soon as that you're like i'm just waiting until that goes direct and i'm good dude i literally have a countdown crazy it's crazy what a planet can do and like you know obviously i have responsibility in that because like it shines some light on something and then my actions uh i have i have free will over my actions but yeah bring some stuff to the surface for sure yeah i don't know man i feel like with my unaspected venus and mars like anytime those go retrograde or change directions or station whatever it's just like it's intense because i could go either way like it's not like like i don't have aspects (laughs) so i just kind of like go with it so yeah i just i'm so over venus and mars retrograde i just can't wait until next year because we won't have either right because mars doesn't go retrograde every year neither does venus so thank god they're together i know it'll be a break for sure I'll have like mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'll have normal relationships next year. <laughs> maybe. maybe. I don't know. I still have Uranus in the seventh, so I'll never have a normal relationship. <laughs> I mean, I have Mars on my midheaven, so I'm definitely not counting on anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's not be so dramatic. <laughs> Anyways, so, oh, the other thing that we forgot to mention is that there is going to be another eclipse. Um, So we just had one recently on the new moon. The next one will be on the full moon um, in the sign of Cancer. And what day was that? Well, it's actually the new moon. Oh, Uh, sorry. um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, it'll be a... Yeah, it'll be a solar eclipse. So whenever there's a new moon, it's solar. If it's a full moon, it's lunar eclipse. Um, so, okay, so this is, so you'll hear people saying that it's happening the day of the um, summer solstice. So Cap or uh, Cancer goes into, um, or the sun moves into Cancer on the 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sun and moon don't make an exact conjunction until the 21st at like 12.21 or something. It's like 12 a.m., so technically, it's not the day of the um, solstice, 
but like it might as well it's be close enough yeah it's so close like i mean you're gonna see it as a new moon that day um it'll be at the dark moon mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah um but yeah that's happening that and then on oh. july 5th there'll be another one during the capricorn and that one's and that'll the f- be the last right? that'll be the full moon that'll be the last until well out of um cap and cancer yeah. So then there'll be another one in December. But we'll have some time. So. Well, yeah, because the July one will be the last of the Capricorn Cancer right. axis mm-hmm. for good. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm so over that. Like, that's hitting my 6th and 12th house. Like, I'm oh, just yeah. done with the eclipses to get out of my 6th and 12th house. So, yeah. yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> <laughs> I sound all desperate. I'm like, please, <laughs> I know. please move. <laughs> uh, well, it's, I mean, it doesn't matter. We have stelliums there. So speaking of the 6th and 12th house and 8th house, what do we want to call them? The challenging houses? I won't call them the bad houses. So we wanted to talk a little bit about, yeah, the challenging houses and why they're challenging, as well as the aspect called in conjunct or quincunx which is technically a minor aspect, but there's really nothing minor about it. <laughs> it's just not a Ptolemaic a- um, aspect. It's, so it's not considered one of the majors, but I would, it's, okay, I feel like um, quincunx or inconjunct kind of has that same relationship with, um, uh, with the asteroid Chiron. It's like Chiron mm. is just, you know, enough to, be on every single generator as an asteroid but it's the only one and i feel right. like quincunx is kind of that same way it's like these are the majors but here's quincunx <laughs> in yeah. case you wanted to look yeah. you know because it's kind of a big deal just like chiron is yeah in case you're curious <laughs> <laughs> like we won't give you any information on it but here it is <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so okay so when it comes to the 6th 8th and 12th which me and andrea kind of talk about this a lot um but the sixth eighth and twelfth are considered the most challenging houses to have any planets in um and that like to quickly sum that up it's just because the sixth eighth and twelfth do not aspect the rising sign uh or it doesn't aspect the rising so um it's kind of thought that like your your ascendant is your body and your soul so all the other houses basically support your rising um when you have planets in 6th 8th and 12th they don't the theory is they don't support it because there's nothing in common with the first house so they're considered bad houses um and six is considered the least bad i guess least challenging eighth challenging 12th is supposed to be like the most challenging house to have any planets in um yeah did you want to go into depth with about that andrea um i don't know i always find that interesting that the sixth house is the least challenging because to me like i know the 12th house is misunderstood but i also think the sixth house is really misunderstood because it's like they throw everything at it like the Mm -hmm. sixth house is your health your illness your day-to-day your growth your pets used to cover farms it's like it covers everything but yet like so I was talking to somebody about it I'm just kind of going on a tangent I was talking on talking with somebody about it the other day and she was like oh I never even look at my sixth house like I didn't even think it was important so I just skip over it 
I'm like, wait, what? She's like, well, yeah, because I just, you know, I thought it was your just your day-to-day, -day and it's what you do every day, so I never really thought much into it. And it's like, no, it, it like, sucks. <laughs> it doesn't suck, but, I mean, if you have a lot of planets there, there's just a lot of energy, a lot of things to... A lot of challenges to work through, I guess, if you have planets in the 6th, the 8th, or the 12th house. Yeah, well, okay, so I guess one of the reasons why the 6th, out of the 6th, 8th, and 12th, um, why they're considering, why they're considered the most challenging houses, and the reason why the 6th is the least challenging is because the 6th house is a cadent house, so it's like, it's a mutable house, um, but it's, it's like, least negative because it aspects the midheaven with the trine and the eighth house doesn't do that and the twelfth house doesn't do that right so the sixth house supports the mc the midheaven yeah i mean i could definitely see that unless you know you get sick and die <laughs> um yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just saying because like the sixth house, it can have a, such a direct impact on your physical health because you are working so much. Like so much of your mindset is revolved around all the daily shit that you need to get done as well as your health, like not just your physical health, but your mental health too. So it's like, yeah, it does support your 10th house. It does make that aspect to the midheaven, which can help further along your career but you know like for I've talked about this in other episodes too it's like if I work more than four days I'm completely burnt out and there is nothing left of me to give and it like affects my mental health I have to take all these breaks and people like I've always thought that there was something wrong with me because I was like why can all of these other people hold down nine to fives work Monday through Friday and be perfectly fine when I'm over here working three days a week or four days a week and freaking dying so i don't know like i'm tired again i'm going on a tangent it's just it's challenging yeah no for sure especially with the sixth house i mean because i feel that way too especially with my moon being in the sixth house it's like i can you know like just like what you said like i can do things but it like for a couple of days at a time, but it takes me a really long time to uh, rejuvenate yeah. and to get back on track. So that part takes kind of a while. Um, but I guess for the sake of like talking about um, these houses not supporting the rising sign um, and how the sixth house does support the tenth house, um, if you're using whole signs. Um, and you look at your sixth house, your sixth house and your 10th house will always have the same element. So it's very supportive because it's a trine. So whenever you have a trine, it, they always share um, earth, water, fire, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, and when you have a trine in your chart, I mean, that's pretty good. It's like, it, it's almost like you came into this life with all this knowledge already. So you don't have to try as much, but in turn, like that can make you kind of lazy. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, the double edged sword or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. um, it definitely can help you out, but if you get entitled about it or like, and that can happen it, with the yeah, trying for sure. Totally. Like a trying, mm -hmm. I just think of like, laying on the couch and having 
someone serve you food or something because it's like (laughs) yeah it's super nice it's easy but if it challenges you will you grow so I guess but I guess it also depends on like the planets you have in that house and the sign of your sixth and your tenth yeah that's true it kind of reminds me like if you do have that trine with your sixth and tenth house um since your your day-to-day is supporting your career i feel Mm. like those people kind of already know what they are going to do for their career they're like well i'm good at this so i'm going to turn this into a career and there's not really that because i know a lot of people are like well i don't know what i want to do with my life like hmm, what are i don't know but i feel like whenever you have that trying it's just like oh i'm getting supported by my you know with my 10th house it's i'm getting support from my day-to-day my sixth house so you know those people kind of like already know so yeah i mean six house is definitely it's a challenging house it's hard but um you do get support from the 10th house and that's why it's considered the least uh challenging house and then next we have the eighth house Mm. and the eighth house is also okay so the eighth house is in conjunct the rising just like the sixth house Mm -hmm. so um whatever your sixth and your eighth house is they have no relationship to your rising sign so your rising and that okay and that means like your rising sign doesn't share um a positive or a negative as far as gender when it comes to astrology so it's not like um well, I guess I shouldn't say gender, um, extroverted or introverted. They don't share that. So they're neither one of those or like they're opposites. Um, they don't share an element. So if your eighth house is earth and your sixth house is water, your first house is going to be air, (laughs) you know, so they don't share any of that or fire. Um, and they also don't share, uh, quadruplicities. So they're not cardinal, fixed, or mutable. So basically, there's nothing in common with the rising sign at all, with the eighth house. But the eighth house is considered um, more of a difficult house, which I don't have a stellium in eighth house, but Andrea does. I do. (laughs) Yeah. I like it. (laughs) It's it's not too bad. It's not too bad because I have some helpful planets in there. Um, I did want to mention really quick that, like, if you're looking at your sixth, eighth, or twelfth house and you don't have planets there and you think that this isn't relevant to you, it still is. I mean, like our last episode was on the perfections. So you'll still have a time in your life where you go through, um, yeah, you like you'll be in your sixth house perfection, your eighth house perfection. So like that area of your chart will be highlighted and that would probably mm-hmm. be a time where you'd possibly feel that in conjunction to your rising sign, to your soul or to your body, a little bit stronger than you would um, normally. You'd feel that for like an entire year. Yeah, and not only that, transits too. It's like if you have anything transiting your sixth and your eighth house, what is that doing to your rising sign? It's in conjunct, so you would definitely feel it there as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then like with the eighth house, like, of course, that's in conjunct the rising, but the eighth and the sixth house share a sextile. So they are great. Yeah. 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 So they at least have something, you know, compatible or Mm -hmm. like, you know, like a good aspect there. But neither one of them are like all of this has to do with the rising sign. So even though they have a connection because they're both feminine signs or they're both introverted signs. 
they just don't make a connection with the rising and that that's kind of why the 12th house is considered the most challenging because they are disconnected from the sixth and the eighth yeah there's really nothing there um yeah and aside the 12th from house, aside from the eighth and the 12th being both water i guess that would be their only their only um oh yeah they well yeah or not like i mean if your eighth is water then your twelfth is water if it's earth then your twelfth is earth yeah so they do share the quadruplicity there um but they don't well no that would be um a square right what six and uh or eighth and twelfth is a square i'm just talking about the water houses in general the fourth eighth and the twelfth so the 8th oh, and yeah. the 12th would at least have that in in uh, common. Sorry, I'm like yeah. losing my words. I'm like, I was going to say generality. Like, what does that word even mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know what you mean. Though. Yeah, yeah, that they have in common. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those are the natural, like 8th and 12th are the natural water houses. But if you're looking at your chart and you're like, but I have a... I have Leo in my 12th house. It's like, well, then yeah. that means your 8th house is also fire and your 12th house is fire. So right. they do share that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then the 12th house. Have you noticed that the 12th house actually makes a sextile to the 10th house? And the 8th house doesn't? I don't think I've ever really looked at that, which is surprising because sextiles are probably my favorite aspect of all the aspects. Well, because I have that, because I have a stellium in the 12th house, and then I have Pluto in the 10th, and I mm-hmm. have a sextile. So the 12th house does sextile the midheaven, but a sextile is not as good as a trine. Well, I mean, I mean, it's not, though. Technically. Technically, it's not. It's like but, a less superior um, aspect to the trine, like right. a good aspect. Yeah. But I think in terms of like, okay, so from a person with like a sixth house stellium perspective that like is focused on growth or challenges, like I, I like that sextile can be just as good as a trine if you make it work. But it's like you have to be willing to put in the work a lot aside from like with the trine, it's just kind of given it's just going to be easy because it's because it's easy yeah I have both my uh everything in my sixth house trines my tenth house and then everything in my tenth house trines my or sextiles my twelfth house so I have those exact aspects to the midheaven well you got lucky there (laughs) I mean that's at least that's the least I could get with this twelfth house stellium (laughs) opposite (laughs) the moon yeah for sure. Yeah. At least I got that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, what about the second house, though? What are your thoughts on that? Because technically, it kind of should be a challenging house as well, but it's not. Yeah, totally. Because the second house is right next to the rising, like the 12th house. And then the 12th house is opposite of the sixth house, which also doesn't make an aspect to the rising and then eighth house doesn't make an aspect opposite eighth would be second but second house is actually not considered one of the challenging houses and it's actually kind of unclear why that is so 
I think if you just kind of, you know, think about it, and my theory on this is because the six, the second house is ruled by Venus, and it always mm-hmm. has. It's always been ruled by Venus. So if you look at the sixth house, that's ruled by Mercury, but it used to be ruled by Mars. Right. And you look at the eighth house, uh, that's a Scorpio <laughs> house, that's ruled by Mars. Then you look at the 12th house that used to be ruled by Saturn. So you have Mars and Saturn, and then you got the second house, which is Venus. That's a a benefic. So it's supportive. I think like the second house is still supportive of your rising sign because it's like, you know. Yeah, because it gives you stability. It's like your material goods. It helps you with your, you know, your finances. It's your own material, material goods. Yeah. So I guess mm-hmm. it could still be a good thing, whereas, like, the eighth house is other people's money, but it's also, like, debt and stuff. So aside from it, like, not making any contact to the rising, it still has, like, challenging uh, characteristics in general to kind of work through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, second house, like, eighth house is other people's money, but second house is earned income, mm-hmm. you know? So that support, like, earned income supports the rising sign. Yeah. Um, versus like the 12th house is the house of loss that doesn't really support the rising. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Um, what about in conjunctions? Or sorry, do you have any more to say about the houses in general before we go to in conjunctions? No, not really. Let, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. We kind of did already, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we definitely did. But it's like I had always ignored this aspect i mean like we mentioned it's also the quincunx and i was like oh that's a minor aspect like i'm not really gonna look at that until recently when i started looking at it and it made so much sense as to like my i guess my challenges with certain people Mm-hmm. <laughs> because an in conjunction or a quincunx is 150 degrees and then those those uh two signs in the in conjunct don't have anything in common so it makes it really really hard to i guess get on the same page and so if you're looking at that in terms of like synastry it's going to be you're, you're going to find that you're, like, really butting heads with that person um, that you have that aspect with. But, like, Lizzie, did you mention this earlier? We're, we might not have been recording when we talked about it, but it's, like, when it works, when you do, like, work through and come to an agreement, when it works, it works so well. Like, if you can get past that challenge, then it's, like, yeah, yeah that mm-hmm. relationship is probably going to last forever. Yeah. <laughs> really. Um, no, it's, it's so true. Yeah. So I kind of just wanted to say, like, I just went on to Astro Style so that I could see right away without having to, like, look at the wheel which signs are quincunx to each other. And so Aries is quincunx to both Virgo and Scorpio, even though traditionally Aries and Scorpio shared a planet, which was Mars. Um then Taurus is quincunx to Libra and Sagittarius, even though Taurus and Libra share Venus. So, I don't know. I've, I found that interesting because I do think that, well, I mean, my rising is Taurus. My sun sign is Libra. So, yeah, there's there's something in common. Or I find they get along great. 
personally. <laughs> but um, Gemini is quincunx to Scorpio and Capricorn. Cancer is quincunx to Sagittarius and Aquarius. Leo would be quincunx to Cap and Pisces. Virgo would be quincunx to Aquarius and Aries. Um, and then that kind of covers it. I don't have to go through the whole list again. So, think, yeah. yeah. So a, a really... Yeah, a really easy way to do this by looking at a zodiac is um, the opposite of any sign is 180 degrees. Quincunx is 150. So look at the opposite of whatever sign you're trying to find the quincunx to and just look at the sign next to your opposition. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at Libra, you got Aries. What sign is next to Aries? It's uh, it's Taurus and Pisces. Pisces, So that means that Libra is quincunx. Taurus and Pisces. So you just do that. Like, that's how I figure it out in my head super quickly. It's just like, what's the opposite? What's next to it? That's quincunx, (laughs) you know? And then if your, um, if your degrees, like if the orb falls within it, Mm -hmm. then, you know, it's quincunx. And I think quincunx has like a super tight tolerance too. It is. It's three degrees. So just because you have those, um, signs quincunx are in conjunct to each other you still want to doesn't mean the planets are yeah you just the signs are though the signs are yeah for sure but yeah looking at the planets you want to see what degrees they are so Mm -hmm. if obviously if they're like five degrees or more apart then it's going to be a lot more tolerable yeah (laughs) it doesn't count (laughs) yeah (laughs) so let's see do you have uh any quincunx aspects to people you know um oh if we're talking about just the signs uh either way the signs or the aspects. well just the signs yeah um so i'm a capricorn sun so my quincunx signs would be gemini and leo um <laughs> which is interesting that leo's yeah. your seventh house i was looking at that last night and i was like oh so not only is it her descendant, it's also... It's quincunx, like, pretty much everything in my 12th house. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah. I mean, I love uh, Geminis, for sure. I mean, I feel like we definitely have more in... Co- well... Okay, I mean, we're if we're talking about just sun sign, I can't just talk about just sun sign, you know, because, yeah. <laughs> like, we know way more than that. So, you know, I don't know. Geminis are cool, I guess. Uh, Leos. <laughs> I, I don't guess, know about Leo. I guess. Geminis are cool, I guess. I like Geminis. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I like Leo, to talk I don't to know Geminis. About um, I like <sighs> to talk to Geminis, too. It's just that, like, for me, Leo, that's my south node. You know, that's my DC. Like, I have... But I also have my part of fortune in Leo, so. Yeah, we both I, do. Yeah, so, you know, I can't hate on Leos too much. Never mind. Love you, Leos. I don't. <laughs> Forget mean, everything I just said. I literally, like, don't. Okay, no. I keep saying, I don't know why I do this. I keep saying I don't know any Leos, but two of my really, really good friends are Leos. But their birthdays fall, like, so the first one, I always thought she was a Virgo. And the other one, I always thought she was a Cancer because of where their birthdays are. And like, oh, in, that's funny. Yeah. And until I got into astrology, I actually looked and I was like, holy shit, they're both Leos. Like, how do I have two people in my life that I'm so close to? And I even till this day, I still don't think that they're Leos. Like, she's very <laughs> Virgo to me. And the other one is very Cancer. And I'm just like, I guess that's just how I want to see them. 
But aside from mm, that, I don't know any I Leo was, men. I was uh, raised by a Leo dad and oh, uh, right. raised by a Gemini rising mom. So I know all, oh man, I didn't even realize that. My mom and dad are part of my uh, quincunx. How interesting. Very interesting. Cool. Hmm. Men are not, <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I have anything else to say aside from like exploring these challenges a little bit more, seeing if I can work through, work through them. I don't know, but at the same time, okay, so I know quincunks are kind of hard because there's nothing in common. There's like a lack of communication. You cannot relate, um, you know, things like you share nothing, you know, but I actually kind of like that. Because when you share nothing and there's nothing, you know, to fight about, then (laughs) (laughs) it should be good. And I feel like I've kind of always been like that with my Aquarius rising. I mean, Aquarius risings are already kind of weirdos anyway. But I've always, like, you know, uh, befriended the underdogs. And I've, you know, I like I'm used to, like, befriending people I have nothing in common with. So I kind of like in conjunctions in a way. I mean, I like them too for my friends, but not for somebody that I'm trying to date. But, you know, that's like a lot of that is my Scorpio, my Scorpio 7th house, my Scorpio Venus. And it's Mm -hmm. like, like you said, when you don't have anything in common, you don't have anything to fight about. That was like my relationship for so long. And then I was, (laughs) and then eventually it was like, hey, why aren't we talking? Like, <laughs> neither of us have anything to say to each other. We just, like, stare at each other and blink. So where's the passion? Oh, my God. That's the thing. That's what I guess that I would true. say about in conjunction. Yeah. It's like, the, there isn't any passion. Aside from, like, I'm still Libra Taurus, like, I don't care. That is not an in conjunct to me. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Because they, they share that. Venus. Like, it just seems like they have so much. But they're so different Venus people. They're so different. I mean, I guess I can't see it because I have a Taurus rising. So it's like. Oh, because you're both. You're you both. know, yeah. I just think about me. <laughs> I'm like, that's who. I don't know. But maybe. I don't know. Well, this is a conversation to probably have off the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was about to say something too. And I'm like, um. <laughs> yeah. But no, I love Taurus people. Like. Obviously, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with Taurus people, but now you are. You're, you didn't used to. No, and I used I've to love Taurus, Taurus, Taurus so much. people. I didn't like my Taurus rising because oh. of my big shoulders. We've talked about this. Mm. Because I was okay. a linebacker. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but I didn't really know Taurus people until like probably a year ago. I guess. Again, I I was, I grew up with a Taurus sun sister and a Taurus moon. So. Oh, yeah. 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 And I have a Taurus sun, sun, S-O-N. S-O-N. Taurus, Taurus baby boy. A Taurus sun, sun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But all right. Anyway, so. um, (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Moving on with all of this jibber jabber. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, tired. I know I got really <laughs> tired. I'm sorry. Do you wanna um do you have a a spell or a potion? I mean? An oil? Oh, um so I was gonna uh I just wanna give people this cute little recipe for a divination bath. Cute. Um yeah, so um this would be like 
just a little like bath mixture basically um and this is three parts thyme two parts yarrow two parts rose one part patchouli one part nutmeg so when you mix this all up um just kind of you know pour it into your bath before you practice any type of divination whether that's tarot astrology dice um runes you know anything mm-hmm. <laughs> and um yeah this can you know stimulate your psychic awareness so yeah that's super cool divination like bath i need to write that one down is that in a yeah. book that i have too Mm, I don't know. This is the complete book of incense oils and brews by Scott Cunningham. Oh yeah, I think I have that. Let me look. Yes, I do. In my bookshelf. Awesome. Cool. So I wanted to do an energy elixir. Um and this is from the Modern Witchcraft Book of Tarot, your complete guide to understanding the tarot by Sky Alexander. I just got this book in today. Um and so this is basically like an afternoon pick-me-up, I guess you would say. Like it's caffeine-free, totally natural. This does call for essential oils to be put in water and um, drank, but you do that as your at your own discretion. Like I don't personally do that. I would use fresh fruit or herbs, but I'll just give the recipe as it is and then you can modify. So what you'll want is a clear glass jar with a lid, a small piece of rutilated quartz, spring water, and then this calls for a few drops of peppermint or spearmint oil, a few drops of lemon oil, and a few drops of sweet orange oil. Again, you can use your fresh fruit and herbs. Um, and then you'll want the strength card from your tarot deck. So first you'll like obviously use the clean jar. You'll wash the crystal and then you'll fill the jar with spring water, add your oils or your fruit and herbs, and then you'll put the crystal in there and then close the jar and shake it up. Um, Then you'll lay the strength card face up on your altar or your table, and then you'll set the jar with the water on top of the card and you'll basically just leave it there for a while. And so the idea is that the water is kind of like um, absorbing the energy of the strength card and then you'll take the crystal out and just drink the water. And so that's supposed to just help with energy. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. I'll give it a try, see how yeah. that works. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So there's lots of Did ways. it say what kind of rutilated quartz? Because I have gold and red. Yeah, no, it just and said black. rutilated. I would, I personally would use gold, but. Gold, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure any rutilated quartz would do. Even a regular quartz would probably be fine since it really, like, Mm -hmm. picks up the energy of whatever you're working with. Yeah. And, like, amplifies it. So, yeah. Try it out. Let us know on our Instagram if you do it. Yes, please. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, all right, guys. Um, I guess that's like the end of our episode. So hopefully you guys liked all this talk about the challenging houses. Yeah. <laughs> Sixth, eighth, and twelfth. Right. If you have any planets in those houses, yeah, please let us know. Because me and Andrea, together, we have all those houses. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's where all of our stelliums are. <laughs> that's aside, it. <laughs> aside from like if I use whole signs and then it moves from the sixth to the seventh. But. No matter what, we've got that 8th and 12th. I got that 6th and 12th, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> cool. All right. Okay, well, until next time. Bye, guys. Follow the signs.